Hey, New Life family, welcome to the weekly podcast. We want to take a moment to say thank you so much for listening. We hope this message encourages you and helps you in some way today move forward in your relationship with Christ and others. We pray God blesses you wherever you are today. Now enjoy the message. Maybe talking about relationships and things, but what we're going to be tackling throughout this whole entire conference is not just for single people. Um, If you're single, pay attention. If you're married, pay attention. Uh, If you have no desire to be married and you're single, then still pay attention, (laughs) right? If you're you're, uh, seeking to be married or want a relationship, then pay attention. I'm telling you that there's something for everyone. And that message last night was life-changing. And I will... I will say probably the part that, that just being transparent with everyone, the part that probably spoke to me the most was not living to the potential of what God has called you to be. Because there's certain things that I can look back in my life and be like, I've been very successful in. But the Holy Spirit, I mean, the Lord's been dealing with me for a little while about a couple of things in my life that I'm sure if I gave others the microphone, they'd be like, yeah, I could have told you that. But, <laughs> you know, you know, sometimes... We don't see it ourselves, even, even though it's blindly plain to everyone else, right? We seem to be blind to it. Everyone else is like, oh, no, yeah, I could have told you that, <laughs> right, when they're looking in. I mean, if you ask me, what are some of your faults? What are some of the things that you need to work on? I have a list. I can give you a list. But sometimes there are things that we need people in our lives to shine on, and that's not in my message at all. Um, The messy business of holy matrimony. A couple of things I want to point out from the beginning. One is it does not matter where you've come from and how you've gotten here and what, um, what your current status is. Let me say it, uh, very carefully in a way that you understand. There is no judgment Either if you've been married and, and you've divorced and you're here, listen, whatever's happened in the past, as long as you have gotten that squared away with the Lord, there's no judgment. There, there's nothing going forward. I want you to understand that. Um, sometimes in our society, folks who have been divorced, um, there's, there's a certain um, attitude towards that. Like, oh, well, you couldn't make a relationship work. You know what I mean? People, people feel that. Or if you don't feel people look at you like that, you feel that way. And so I want you to understand as we're moving forward that you're going to have to put some of that out. And because I'm going to speak very biblically, uh, that's my goal anyhow. Uh, sometimes when you hear the word, it cuts directly to the point. And, and so my intent is not to put any more on folks who have already gone through something like that. My intent and my heart is not that at all. Um, And so I want you to hear there's no judgment, no condemnation coming from this church or the leadership in any way. But we are going to speak very plainly about some things in relationships. Um, The other thing I want to say, and we I think we mentioned this the last time you had a a single uh, big conference is there's no pressure either way. I want you to be free from that. In other words, if you're married, you're not any better than if someone else is single. Um, and, and the reverse is also true. You can get into 2 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians, and you'll find that it, that, that it says, 
Listen, it's better if you're not married because you can focus everything on God. But if you can't stay, let's see, what's the word we want to use here? If you really need that companionship because otherwise you're going to fail in your relationship with Christ, then find a wife or find a husband. So it really is between you and the Lord as to what you're, you're after. But there's neither one that is greater than the other. Um, so I want you to understand the heart when we're talking about it. Um, if, if you are fine being single, then be fine being single. If you really desire a relationship, then understand it's going to be hard work and it's a messy business if you want to really get into a relationship. So those are just kind of, uh, I wanted to lay that out there before we head into the scripture. And I'm going to start... One last thing, I will throw, throw this out there. We have a tendency also to bring past relationships into present ones. And this, is, this seems to be one of the hardest things for us as humans to uh, let go of. You have, to, you have to learn how to let the past dwell in the past and don't bring any, and when I mean any, any of that into any future relationships. So um, that deals very strongly with what Pastor Mika preached last night about, she mentioned it, forgiveness, um, that part, and then also letting God take care of those holes, those voids, those things in our life, whatever it may be. Uh, that is very strongly dependent on what we heard last night, being able to move forward without bringing the past in. I am going to, and before you roll your eyes, I am going to read a very famous set of scripture that deals with marriage, and uh, it gets abused uh, quite often. Uh, Sister Jonna put in uh, some of our notes. I would just like it to be noted that she put in our notes for this conference. I, I, would, I would like uh, Brother Tommy to speak on this. I would like uh, Brother Deontay to speak on this. But, like, Brother Deontay's was, like, this much, and then she gave me, like, a whole paragraph. So I feel like she didn't trust me with the direction I was going to go. I'm just joking. It's not true. But oddly enough, what she put in there is actually what God has laid on my heart when it comes to this uh, subject. So we're going to be, first of all, in Ephesians 5. And I, I, I wanted to be noted that Ephesians is some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. You go to Ephesians 4 and you start learning about the body of Christ and how we're fitly joined together, that we're one body, there's one God, there's one Lord, and we're in one faith. And you find that out when you get into Ephesians 4, and everything's about us being fitly joined together. Then you get to 5, and there's a lot in 5, but one of the biggest and most popular chunks has to do with marriage. Then you get into 6, and it starts out by saying, but we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's interesting that that comes immediately after the marriage section. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And then it goes into the armor of God. And it talks about praying always. And it talks about praying with all supplication for the saints. So I love this set of scriptures. But sandwiched right in between the body being fitly joined together and us putting on the armor of God is a section about wisdom which is interesting, and a section about marriage. And so we're going to read this section. It's very famous. And then I'm going to go 
talk about a few things and maybe turn a direction you may not have been thinking. Uh, five, chapter 5 in Ephesians, verses 22 through 33. I'm going to read them all, and then we're going to discuss some of it, and we're going to come back to a couple of the, the scriptures. It says, <laughs> it starts out this way, not me again, this is the word of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. This, that, that little section right there is extremely important, by the way, as to the Lord. And we're going to come back to that. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. I wish there were more men here today. We have a couple young men, and it's important that they hear this. We have a few men that are here. I want you guys to hear this every time that it says husband is like Christ. And we're going to come back to that. Um, <clears throat> the Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands. Now, it is important that that's wives. That's it. Right. This women. This is the only little bit blurb. The rest of everything else we're going to read is to the husbands. It's very important, I think, sometimes when we get into this section of Scripture, for years I've heard it preached, and it's always been, wives submit, wives submit. And then they barely mention the next section, but the next section is actually the larger section, and it's to the husbands. So I want you to hear this, because this is very important. Why I wish there were some more men here. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church, and this is the part you need to bold in your Bible, and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. I want to I talk very quickly about a couple of things. First of all, Marriage to God is extremely sacred. Um, in our culture, we have, and, and I'm talking about American culture, and it may be true in others, but this is what I've lived and what I've seen and what I know. In American culture, we have treated marriage as this thing that, where you grow up, you get married, right? Almost like it's expected. And, and again, according to Scripture, it's not expected by God unless you cannot live fully for him without stumbling, without that relationship. That's, that's the way scripture outlines it. You need a relationship, then sure, go after marriage. But what we've done is we've made it almost more about the ceremony, how nice the wedding looks, 
how everything looks on social media nowadays. Uh, and even before social media, it was about how it looked to everyone else on the outside. And meanwhile, in the home, it was like living hell. Right? And, and marriage should be something that you have given plenty of thought to. We, we talk about relationships often as building a relationship, building a solid marriage, building. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a scripture right here that I think we should take into account in that thought process. Although this is talking about following Christ, I feel like in marriage it should be the same way. And that's in Luke 14, 28. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Now, I want you to understand something. If you're interested in having a relationship, building a relationship, building a marriage, you need to count the costs. And what we have done in our society now is we have given little thought to the messy business, the reason I use the messy part, of relationships. Um, I am a huge proponent of the fact that there is not a relationship out there that is not messy. Friendship, intimate, or otherwise. All relationships are messy because we as people have a lot of mess in our lives. Amen? I mean, if, if we're just being honest, we have a lot of stuff and junk. I, I have not, it's interesting to me that people go like, well, I've just got a lot of things that have happened to me. It doesn't matter who you are. Everyone's had a lot of things that I have not found a person yet that has not went through something. And, and here's the truth, and I don't want to make light of what you've went through, but everyone's went through something traumatic. And sometimes we hear what other people's traumatic thing is, and we're like, well, that's nothing. It's not traumatic to me, but it was traumatic to them because we didn't live through it. And so sometimes what we do when we come into a relationship, we don't count the cost of what it will cost us emotionally. I'm not talking about finances here. Finances is a whole other thing. But emotionally, um, transparency, there's a cost in transparency. This, this, this is probably one of the bigger ones in relationships that I feel like we, we struggle with is we don't understand that if you're going to get married, everything is on the table. Um, when, when it comes to, <laughs> you can't hold anything back. And so the cost literally to me is everything. And, and we, we make light of it. So if you're not ready to lay everything out on the table for that relationship or that person, then you're not ready to be in a relationship. And this, this is scary because in order to actually have a well-connected and strong and, and what I'll call tightly uh, bound marriage, you have to be completely vulnerable. Now, how many likes to be vulnerable after you've been hurt? I haven't found anyone. Hate it. I heard pastor say it. She hates it. And, and it is not easy to be vulnerable. Um, I, I will say this. She made a statement last night, pastor did, about it's been often been settings like this where we have seen the most, what was the exact language, the most um, growth, the most uh, deepest works done. I can remember a time in this church 
where we were in the basement. I think at the time, it may have been that the youth were doing something up there and we were having adult Bible studies downstairs. And, and I'm, it's not my story to tell, but there was a gentleman who stood up and just he just laid bare his soul. Do you guys remember this service on a Wednesday night? It was just a Bible study and prayer meeting. Laid bare his soul in front of the, the adults that were here in the church and just basically asking for forgiveness and saying, I have sinned. I just need to live right. I just lay. And the power of God that moved in that service was probably one of the most significant ones in the church. It's, I mean, there's been many that I could list, but it was one of them that was the one of the most. Why? Because somebody was vulnerable. And they said, here's everything. I have nothing else to hide. And in that moment, everyone felt, one, protective of the person. Like nobody had this malice in them to say, well, I can't believe he has that sin in his life. You know what happened? Everyone's like, no, brother, we're right here with you. We're going to pray with you. And when that happened, we saw a move of God in the service downstairs on the concrete floors in folding chairs. Right? Because there was a vulnerability. And I say that because I want you to understand that one of the costs to having a relationship that is lasting is being vulnerable. If you hold it in, if you keep it secret, if you keep it hidden, it, you're, you're going to end up um, not moving forward. I, some of you don't know who I am because maybe it's your first time visiting. I should mention that my wife, who's actually down cooking at the moment, um, her and I this March will have been married 28 years had to stop and think for a minute. I'm like, let's see. Okay. Tanner turns 27 this December. So then we get, yeah. So, um, 28 years we've been married. That happens when you get older, by the way, (laughs) where you have to think a little bit differently, add things up in your head. Um, but you know what? About five years ago, it almost ended. And, and while a lot of, there's only a couple people that know the full story of all that was going on, I remember in that moment, one, having to be vulnerable with some friends and saying, here's what's going on in my life. And not everything was going well in my life. Not everything was going well in my wife's life at that time. And we both had to be vulnerable. But I also had to make a decision of, am I willing to sacrifice everything for the marriage? Right? And fight for it. And literally lay everything down. At that time, we backed off from positions in the church. We said, hey, we're stepping aside. We're stepping down for now. Um, and, and focused everything on that relationship. But I, I have to say that I didn't mention this earlier. I didn't put it in my notes because it's kind of just I always say this. The first relationship you have to invest in is your relationship with Christ. If you don't have that relationship right, you're not going to have any other relationship right. Um, And if the person you're interested in is not also investing everything into that relationship with Christ, it's not going to work out. I'm just going to be plain. It's not going to work out. Um, So you should not start. There's a, a, a minister that uses the scripture that talks about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? But the picture of being equally yoked isn't just about, like, like he always uses this, it's not about an oxen and a donkey. No one would ever do that, right? You wouldn't put an oxen with a donkey if you're trying to do the, the yoke thing and, and march forward. 
you would get two oxen. But it's not just enough to get two oxen. You need two oxen of equal speed and strength in order to have straight rows when you're out there sowing, right? Otherwise, you end up going in a circle. How many people do you know in a relationship? Oh, I found a Christian, but that Christian is not running at the same speed or at the same strength. And because of that, they end up going in circles. This is the first 10 years of my wife and I's marriage because we would do this. She, she would be the strong one for a while, then I would be the strong one. And you know what? And, and I am humble enough to go back and say, <laughs> Pastor Amika's father, who was the pastor at the time of this church, <laughs> went to Denny's with us. And we, t- <laughs> I remember we were so proud. My wife and I, we were like, we sat across, and here's grandpa. To her, this is grandpa, right? And we're just like, we're going to get married. And he said, you're not ready. That's out of the will of God just he didn't like there was no mincing of words he didn't say it you know I love you but you should probably think about no he just said that's not the will of God you're not ready like you're just plain sitting in the booth at Denny's that used to exist over here on Bannister Road that's where we were sitting and he just matter of fact and I despised that phrase I never despised him I always loved and respected him but I despised what he told me Because I was like, how dare someone tell me I'm not ready? But he was absolutely right. A thousand percent right. In our first 10 years of marriage, we struggled desperately because we did not listen to counsel. Because I wasn't ready to sacrifice everything. I wasn't ready to, I I hadn't counted the cost. I didn't know what was important in having a proper relationship. Um, and so one of the things, and then, and, and let me say this, when I'm talking about husbands here, if you're in here and you're a man, you should be listening because this is what you should aspire to be. But if you're in here and you're looking for a mate and you're a woman, then this is what you should be looking for in a man. Um, If we desire to be, and this is a slide, and my language is slightly different, so if you want to put it up there, if we desire or we want to build a lasting, is kind of what you have up there. If you want to build a strong and lasting marriage, you must count the costs before, (laughs) this is a big one, before you start trying to build. Oftentimes what we've done is we see, I'm going to use the word something, Really, I'm talking about someone, but we see something we like because there's attributes physically that appeal to us. And I think maybe as I've gotten older, I've understood now that those physical attributes aren't near as important as the deeper attributes should have been. Um, While it's because I have found um, I found my wife very pleasing to look at when I was younger and, and I don't find her not pleasing now you know what I mean but I find that the heart that she has for me is much more attractive than it is her physical beauty and and so uh, that comes with wisdom Um, but we don't talk about it either so young men and women don't understand they don't understand it everything is so surface nowadays because of social media because of what we've romanticized everything and because we've romanticized everything, it's like about a certain feeling that I need to have. And can I tell you that you learn that love is something that, uh, that is a choice you make every single day. 
And I can prove that in Scripture because Jesus says to take up your cross daily and follow me. That's a choice. That's a choice. And it's not a choice to do something pleasant. Right? It means that flesh has to die. If I'm taking up a cross, that means flesh has now and, and I can also go back to what I just read you. If Christ represents the husband, the husband represents Christ, and the wife represents the bride, then we can't, and you have to be a little bit careful because you can get really wonky if you do this, but you can go back through Scripture then and look everywhere you see Christ talking to the church, and that's how a husband should be talking to his wife. You can start seeing that. Um, it's interesting, and I, I, don't, I didn't make this a slide I should have. I started thinking about that, and I was like, well, the husband then is the head, but you can't find anywhere in Scripture where the wife is the tail. In fact, if you go all the way back to, this, to the beginning, the word that God gives to Moses to, to the children of Israel is that you're the head and not the tail. So if children of Israel represent the church and the church represents the bride, that means the bride's never the tail either. It really is a mutual relationship. And then my sister Tina gets up here and she references one of the greatest scriptures in leadership in all of scripture, I feel like. And that is that the head, Christ, got on his knees and washed the feet. I'm glad my wife's not up here because I don't like washing feet. But washed the feet of the disciples. So the greatest way to lead husbands, heads, is to be a servant. So that means my job as a husband is, as the head, is to serve my wife. And when you start getting in scripture, you can't deny it. The, Jonna had posted, Sister Jonna had posted in our, our little notes about this, that it had been her experience that many men have abused that scripture, and it is true. Wives submit. I'll jokingly say that to my wife all the time, and I usually get hurt for it, but um, <laughs> but the, the truth is this, and, and I'm going to be completely honest here. There is a level of submit that needs to happen to the head, but here's what I found. If I am being completely like Christ to my wife, she has zero problems submitting because if she feels safe, she knows that the love that she has is unconditional. She knows that everything I'm doing is to the goal of, what does the scripture say? That he can present to himself a spotless bride. He can, she's going to use this to be like, oh, that means I should go get my nails done. I should get my hair done. I need a spa day, right? And that's not entirely wrong. It's not. Because he's presenting to himself a bride that is perfect. Why? Because that bride is under his covering. And so any time that a husband would have that view for their wife, that wife's not going to be like, I don't want to do anything for you. That wife's going to be like, what do you need, honey? <laughs> what do you need, sweetie? Why? Because she knows that everything she needs is in the person of who I am. It's, I didn't get this for years. And it's a miracle my wife stayed with me, Right? We had a lot of praying parents, let me just say it that way. I give a lot of credit to those praying family members. So part of counting the cost is understanding husbands. One of, I believe husbands, 
when you're counting the cost of what it takes to be a husband, let's look at our example. And Christ, the Bible says, gave himself for her, talking about the church. That means everything he was doing was for the body of Christ, for the church. And if I, as a husband, am going to treat my wife the same way, then everything I'm doing is for her. This is one of the reasons why. Now, and we can show you a little bit more of the equality here. And I'm, I, I always like to be careful. If we go to 1 Corinthians 10 or 7, 3 through 4, this is talking about things of a sexual nature. But I want you to see the last portion of this. It says, let the husband render to his wife the affection due to her. Some other versions may say sexual instead of just affection. Um, And likewise, also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body. And it's always interesting because men are like, woohoo, this is true. But then it goes, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body. The wife does. This section of scripture is talking about sexual intimacy. And I I put the word sexual before it because a lot of people think sexual and intimacy are the same thing, and they're not. That intimacy is a completely different thing. And if you need a study on that, uh, you should, because if you think sex is intimacy, that's it's one level of intimacy. It's not the most important level either. But what I love about this section of scripture is it shows that the husband and wife here, they both have the equal partnership thing going on. This is over just one area of your life. A lot of people put a lot of stake and a lot of importance on this area, and it is important. But it is important to note that both husband and wife are equally over the other. And the only reason the Bible says, if you continue to read on, that you would break that apart is if you both agree that you're going to take some time off, you're going to fast, you're going to pray for spiritual reasons, and then before temptation will get the best of you, you come back together. That's what that set of Scripture says. If Listen, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians have a lot of really good um, biblical marriage uh, information if you read through that, and it's, it is outstanding. So I want you to see that we both, the, the cost to me in my mind is everything. I know when I get in that marriage, I no longer have full control over my body or my, my doings. I am still my own person. I want you to hear this because there is an importance to that. Your identity is still yours, but my identity now is directly tied to my wife's as well. Just like in the church, everything I do when I drive down, the, we talk about this all the time, when I drive down the road, And someone cuts me off. What I do is a direct reflection of who? My groom. (laughs) Right? If I flip the bird out the window because someone cut me off, that's not not showing, you know, the the Christ-likeness in my life. So I have to, you have to understand that once you get married in a relationship, that you both reflect each other. You're individuals, but you two are now one. And so everything you do affects the other. So it's important that the communication be there. And I don't want to get into that because I, I, communication is one of the, the top things in a, in a relationship of any kind that you communicate. And I feel like my wife, sometimes we, we over-communicate because I would rather do that than not communicate enough. 
Um, and she probably gets tired of it because I'm the guy. My mom did this to me, and so I do this all the time. I'll be like, so how are you doing? How's your head? How are your emotions? How's your spirit? And I'll, we'll just go down the list, and I'll be like, and don't just, I don't want her to be just like, good. No, 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 that's not going to work. <laughs> You're going to tell me a little bit more than that because I want to have that. This, this, um, I already said that this is the smaller picture of everything. So before you decide to invest in a relationship, I believe that you need to count the costs. Um, I put another, I put another slide in there, Tanner, and this, I reworded it when I typed it because I thought of a better way. So this doesn't match, but it talks about, I think in our generation, the culture wants maximum benefits with the minimum investment. In other words, we want the benefits of a relationship and we want the benefits of having a spouse without the investment that it really takes. And, and um, I hear this all the time when people, uh, I remember when I was much younger before we had influencers, Lord have mercy, influencers, People see people post a 15-second video, and they have 200,000 followers, and they're making all their money from doing that 15-second video. But what they don't see is the five years it took for them to get those followers and the stuff they were posting every single day. And some of it early on was trash. And I'm not trying to talk you into being an influencer. What I'm saying is it took investment in order for them to have the outcome they're currently having. Very few of those people just blow up overnight. Very few. It's a, it's a very tiny amount of people that just blow up overnight. Um, one, of, one of the YouTube's most successful, he doesn't have the most subscribers, one of the most successful YouTubers, a guy by the name of Mr. Beast, has been doing it for 20 years. You're like, the guy doesn't even look like he's 20 years old. He's been doing it for almost 20 years. And he's, been, he's done stupid videos that were dumb, but he has videos that he, he literally makes tens of millions of dollars on one video. And then he invests every dime of the video money from that into his next one. So he doesn't really have a lot of money because he keeps spending it on the next one. My point is, is that we see the outcome and we think, oh, man, I can do that. But we don't see the investment. And what we have lost in our generation is finding those people. Sometimes you will find a couple. Um, Pastor Stenamika, how long have you guys been married? 33 years. So they're ahead of us by a few years. Um, you wanna if you want to have a successful relationship, find people who have had a successful relationship. But you need to find out what was the cost. And if you sat down and had a conversation, let's say, for instance, with uh, Pastor Amika's parents before they passed, who they had been married for a long time, and, and I know their story, and uh, Sister Henderson had invested and paid a lot of costs in that relationship, right? And if you really want to find out, how do I have a successful, what, what is the way to have a, a holy matrimony you're going to have to find out what it costs. And the costs often may be too expensive for you currently. But if it's something you really want, then you've got to be willing. All right, Lord, what do I need to do to pay this cost? 
what, what do I need? And some of it, and I feel like this is so well put together um, without, without her knowing and I knowing last night's message is one of the first steps in paying the costs. Because if you don't have what she preached last night, if you don't have that squared away, you're not ready. We, we use the language a lot of times, me growing up, they may not use it now, but bringing baggage into a marriage. And that baggage often is, is attributed to exactly what Pastor Mika was preaching last night. You haven't let God deal with the things in you. It's less about God dealing with them. They need to do that as well. But what has God, has God dealt with everything in you so that your identity is solid in who he has called you to be so that when you go in, you're able to pay the cost and it doesn't, it doesn't cause you more pain as you pay the cost. Does that make sense? Now, I, one of the costs that I, again, this is, I, it's funny because Pastor Mika said this last night. She was like, I'll let the men talk tomorrow a little bit more towards the men. And, and one of the things that I found is Revelations 13.8 says this, and you guys will be familiar. Um, I, did I give you that? And all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. They are the ones whose names are not written in the book of life that belongs to who? The lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. I've heard, there's other places where it talks about the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the earth. And, and the point I want to make there is, men, to count the costs, even before you get into marriage, you have to be ready to have laid down your life. Does this make sense? Um, <clears throat> you're like, wait a minute, you're talking about dying. I'm talking about dying to self, for sure. Husbands, oftentimes, we can go into a marriage with an idea of, of my way or the highway, and that just isn't going to work. Because that's not, that's not even what Christ does. And so I want us to get a picture, and this is, again, towards men, someone who is willing to lay aside everything that was their own desires. Because if you really want that relationship, that's the main desire. Amen? And if you're seeking a spouse, that spouse should also be someone who shares in the desires you have. In other words, if you have a vision, you, have a, you believe a calling, that should be someone who's like, you know what? I, I fit right in. I agree with that. I'm ready to get behind you and go. That You should plug in together with someone like that. Again, equally yoked. You guys are on the same path, right? And if that's the case, then you're not... When you say, and now I get back to one of my favorite songs that uh, someone does, and they talk about there is no cost. And let me just share this real quick before I kind of hand things over. One, I want to I just point out again, every relationship's messy. So if you really want a relationship, be prepared for the mess. Um, I joke with people, you know that uh, that song, um, what is the song? It just went out of my head. Talks about the love of God, but there's a spot in it that says, when heaven comes down, the original song said, like a sloppy wet kiss. And so many people, are, they shy away from that, and they're like, an unforeseen kiss. 
And I have always been like, no, I want the sloppy wet kiss because when heaven met me, it was messy. How many's got that story? When heaven met me where I was at, it was messy because I was such a mess. But Christ met me there, and man, it's hard to talk about this because it's not just been once. How many's had to have him meet you multiple times? And every time it was a mess. It was messy. If you're going to get in a relationship, be ready for the messiness. That's number one. Number two is to count the costs and be ready to pay the price. But at the end of it, when it's all said and done, I want you to understand, I look back now and, and there's been some heavy costs when I look back through the marriage that my wife and I have had. But when I look now, it, does, it doesn't seem like it's cost me anything, right? I, I heard a young man the other day, and I'm not going to go into the rest of that story, but I heard a young man the other day talking about his girlfriend. She was very pregnant. And she's like, I'm so uncomfortable because I'm pregnant. She's like, I never want another kid because she was in that miserable stage. I don't know that. You know, I've eaten sometimes and been miserable, but I hear it's not the same thing. Women, <laughs> women, you alone know this. I don't. But, but there's that stage where you're just, I know my wife got there. We have two boys where she was just miserable, and she's like, I never want to do this again. But then when she's holding that baby, looking in the eyes she's like there was no cost I'd do it all over again right I look back now at our relationship and our marriage and there's been all kinds of pain and costs along the way but I can tell you that where we're at now because of and I have to give the glory to God because of the Lord I look back and I go there has not been a cost I'd do it all over again and so I want to encourage you that it can seem daunting to say man <laughs> it's too expensive. And when I'm talking expensive, again, it's not money. It's the emotional, the transparency, the flesh cutting, right? Because you have to kill the flesh. If you're going to be in a relationship, the flesh has to die. If you don't let the flesh die, you're going to be selfish. And I was that for many years. And so you have to let the flesh die. And so all of that to say that be encouraged, it is possible. I have not had the perfect marriage, but I've been blessed to be in a wonderful one. And, and if I have anything to share, one of my heartbeats is, is that I would never see another couple get divorced. If they really wanted a relationship, I would never see them do that. And so I don't look at anyone again negatively because of that, but I want my heart's desire is that every marriage would speak of Christ and the church. If I'm living my marriage properly, it will be its own witness to the world of what Christ has done for the church. And so that's what I am working on aspiring to be as a husband, and I believe my wife is aspiring to be as a wife, is that we would preach the gospel without ever saying a word just by the way we leave our, live our marriage. Brother T.D. Jakes is where I heard that the first time, and that has always spoken to me. So I, I want to just kind of wrap up with that. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't want to do a heavy draw because I understand we're going right into someone else after we have, I believe, a short break. I don't know if you're going to come up. But can I just say a very quick prayer? Um, because I don't know where everyone here is in their lives. Maybe you're happy in your singleness. Maybe you desire a relationship whatever that may be, 
my prayer is that the Lord would guide you, give you the strength and understanding to make those next steps properly because they can be crucial laying that foundation. So, Father, I just want to say right now, I thank you for the uh, folks that you have placed in this uh, place today that under the care of of your spirit, first of all, and uh, our words today. And I pray that, Lord, my desire is that as we move forward, anyone that has a desire for a relationship, Lord, that you would begin to give them, number one and, and most important, discernment to discern how to make those next steps, that no one would go into another relationship haphazardly, but rather, Father, they would hear from you first and that they would make the right decisions. Lord, this is always difficult, but I pray that you would begin to speak to individuals who are seeking a relationship about next steps, about what they need in their life to be, begin to uh, make those next steps, Lord, for uh, a lasting relationship. And Lord, I pray that whoever, if they're seeking a spouse, whoever their spouse is to be would be making those steps as well. I pray that, Lord, you would bring them together in a way that is godly and that is no way can it be confused with happenstance or an accident, but that we will know that, Father, you have ordained and arranged this situation. And I pray that, Father, you would bring about some great relationships and marriages for those who are seeking that today. And, Father, for those who are, are happy and fine to be where they're at in being single, I pray that, Lord Jesus, that every single day you would remind them that you are enough for them, that, that their relationship with you is more than enough. And I pray that as they focus on the work of the ministry that you've called for them, that, Lord, they would feel fulfilled and complete in all that they're doing, Lord, even though some may say, well, you need a, a spouse or a relationship. Lord, if, they're if they are fine where they're at, Lord, I pray that they would feel complete in you and you alone, that they would know you're more than enough, and, Lord, that they would walk boldly and confidently in the things you've called them to do. And, Jesus, we just ask that over each and every one, Lord, those who are here that are also married, that we would continue to aspire as husbands to be Christ-like towards our wives and that our wives, Lord, would then in turn feel safe and they would feel that completeness and they would feel that love and in turn, Lord, honor and respect their husbands because of the love and the feeling, Lord, that you have placed on them because the home is holy before you because the husband is loving their bride as you love the church. Father, I just pray that you would continue to move. Lord, we desire here at New Life for that rain to pour out, and I believe it starts in the home, and there are homes the Lord have been a mess because of uncertainty in relationships. I pray that our homes would align up, Lord, with your word. No matter the status of the relationships in the home, I pray that our homes begin to align up with your word so that we can see revival there first. And then by nature, Lord, just it would flow into this place as well. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, the glory, and honor, Jesus. It's all yours anyway, Lord. We give it to you, Jesus. Amen.